Podcast, a podcast offering discussions and tutorials on nerdy subjects for people who aren't necessarily nerdy themselves. With you today, myself, is your nerdy tutor, George, and with me here today, my fellow Bat Cape Crusader, my mom. I can't be Batgirl. I could be Catwoman. There's a lot of different... <laughs> I have all sorts of choices. There really is, isn't Dolly. There? I could be Dolly. So we are dis- continuing our discussion on Batman, and this week we offer. Uh, this week we, I recommended a couple standalone Batman movies that you could watch on your own. They're f- the the animated movies are from the DC's animated line of movies that they've been coming out with. If you were to categorize them, they're kind of in the same line as um, what we would call in, Je- in the Japanese term OAVs, or original animation videos. They're not. They're more or less full movies at the end of the day at about 80 to 90 minutes each. Um, but they're animated, and they're animated, I think, fairly well. And you could see where they could be split into... into Little mini-series. Series, yeah. yeah. Um, and then we obviously watched probably one of the better Batman movies out there, The Dark Knight. Um, started with that, actually. Yeah, so actually we'll start with Dark Knight. So um, I started with that. No, it's a good movie. Um, Dark Knight is the sequel to Batman Begins, which was in 2005, The Dark Knight in 2008. Um, it's obviously a continuation of the story, which finally has the Joker played uh, very famously by Heath Ledger, who unfortunately passed away before the movie could ever ever come out. Um, but also as Christian Bale as Batman, who um, he he has a thing against his body; he doesn't like it because he will he will transform his body wildly. Well, yeah, I mean he he gets fat. Well, no, 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 no. In other no. movies. Well, not only does he get fat, I mean, like, between the time between he went and he did Batman Begins and The Dark Knight, he shrank down to do The Machinist, in which he was wiry thin. He is he is a method actor. So, um, well, Heath Ledger was very much a method actor. There's stories about how Heath Ledger locked himself away in a hotel room for two months, didn't come out so he could perfect the way... The Joker's mannerisms, the way he, the Joker thought, so we can get into the role. Um, also, we have Michael Caine, who played Alfred. Um, you have Aaron Eckert, um, who played Harvey Dent in later Two Face, and then you have Gary Oldman as Detective Gordon. Um, so, what did you think of the well, Dark Knight? And, and and you have Morgan Freeman. Morgan Freeman's there as well. Is is corner is sort of cute. Pretty much, yeah. No, yeah. Lucius Fox in the Lucius Fox, especially as we've gotten more. If you remember back in the day, like even in the, the Adam West Batman, Adam West never the Adam West Batman never explained where he got all the gadgets from. They just appeared. They just he just had them. Yeah. So Lucius Fox is meant to kind of be in more modern day modern versions of the ta- of Batman, who kind of started appearing kind of more around the beginning of the '90s, give or take, um, as a source of this is where Batman gets his tech from. And and a and a cool sort of ethical force, which I thought was an interesting juxtaposition against Batman's sort of and um, Bruce Wayne's sort of not ethical. No, yeah, no. Again, I mean, you can't. I mean, Batman has a rule against not killing people. That's really kind of the only rule because he'll break into places. You know, he'll cause quite a bit of harm that could f- potentially kill a person. Um, he's got. Guns on his on his uh, vehicles. I mean, like. Well, and part. I mean, I think. And this question for me goes back to some of the earlier movies as well, Michael Keaton and all of that. Mm-hmm. Okay, is is part of that that as a vigilante, if you're not 
breaking the ultimate law, which do, is you know do not kill, mm-hmm. um, then then people don't have to deal with you as a vigilante quite as much. It leaves Commissioner Gordon in a sort of more well. He, he didn't kill anybody. I mean, yeah, he broke some bones, but who am I going to prosecute? You know, give me a name. Batman, great. What's his name? Well, but but beyond that, I mean, he's a vigilante, but if he's not killing anybody, he's sort of a a do-gooder vigilante. Yeah, an an acceptable vigilante, and it's sort of I think by um, not breaking that rule, he he even he 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 makes himself a more acceptable vigilante that doesn't necessarily have to be hunted down and can be used, and I mean you even see. You know, there's a conversation in which Dant and Gordon are talking about, you know, he needs, he, um, you know, you collaborate with him and that's wrong because, you know, he's still... He's still a, he's still a vigilante and a bad guy at the end of the day. Yeah, he's, he's still he's an outlaw. Out, outside, acting outside of the law. Yeah, and he's still an outlaw and, and that's not okay. And Commissioner Gordon's like, but but he's, you know, controlled crime for us and... We, we He's doing him. some good at yeah. the end of the day. Yeah. Um, well, the original reason Batman doesn't kill is the same reason why Superman doesn't kill and a lot of other characters don't kill at the end of the day, whether it's for a logical reason or a metaphorical reason or an emotional reason, is because if you killed the bad guy at the end of every comic, you wouldn't have anything to come back to. You wouldn't be able to have this character again. He couldn't reoccur. Yeah. And, and, not, and that's often where... The notion of Arkham Asylum comes in for Batman because Arkham Asylum is where all the bad guys go. Um, if you're a crazy superpowered villain, if you're the Joker, Harley Quinn, Two Faced, Poison Ivy, but if you're just like you know a bad guy like the Riddler or Penguin, like you don't go to Arkham because you're sane at the end of the day. You go to just jail at the end of the day. Okay. But, 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 in, but in, so I'm trying to think about this because it's interesting that you bring that up. I'm trying to think about any any superhero who forthrightly kills somebody. So if I go back to Iron Man or um, Captain or the, America, yeah, or the, any of those, yeah, I mean, you're not, you're I'm, not I'm hard find... I'm hard pressed to find anybody who wantonly kills anybody. I mean, it's it might be a byproduct of what else is going on. The whole cast but... have killed somebody at least once. I mean, like him because he's out of control. Well, because he's out of control. I mean, like him throwing stuff into other stuff and breaking through stuff. If he didn't kill anybody outright, you know, he's done quite a bit of damage. The only other person... But, but it's kind of a byproduct of whatever else is going is on. It's true. not... Very true. Um, the other exception that might be, if you really want to push it to the very edges of its rationale logic, might be Wolverine, um, who was a contract killer and mercenary at a certain, certain points of his life. Um, and even if you watch some of the more recent uh, Brian Singer movies, you know, there's rationale to say that he killed people when he was, you know, defending others. Okay. Um, the, but again, it's a byproduct. And, and often, yeah, it's a, it's in, in that in, and in Wolverine's case, it's more or less him protecting other people, so it's somewhat more justified because these other guys got guns and lethal weapon weaponry versus. Um, and it's never outright said that he ever killed anybody. He usually just kind of like shinks him in like the shoulder, like he's got claws on his hand, so stabs him in like the shoulder or the arms or legs, and it just go down. I mean, you have battles in in you know in Endgame and in those things. Mm-hmm. You have battles, and certainly people die. But it isn't that if you had a villain, if you had a villain, they'd try to arrest him or 
contain him as opposed or to stop or stop his madness in yeah. some way, shape, or form. Yeah, as opposed to as opposed to going for the jugular, so to speak. Mm-hmm. So it just I thought just thought that was interesting. And again, I mean, and that'll come up a little bit later as well uh, when we discuss another movie about why killing people in some cases. Yeah. Um, but no, yeah, no. Again, it's it's an interesting dilemma that comic books have nowadays. I mean. But at the same time, we really comics again were aimed at a younger audience. They were aimed at a seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve-year-old audience, and certainly some cases, some early teenager audiences. And if you had a guy in there that was killing people, like it would see. I mean, as much as it might make logical sense from a story perspective and a rational logic perspective, I mean, it's not one of those things in which you'd want to give to children which were primarily reading it back in the day is like ah to solve all your to solve the, to stop the bad people you have to kill them and that was yeah i see that except you know so i'm going to come back at you on that with with but these clearly i mean that movie clearly is not for children no and and again and later, many of and many of these are not and and and, the, and this is probably part of the problem with modern superhero movies and mod, or at least modern superhero movies from dc is that a lot of DC's fans are much older people, myself included. These, are, I mean, these are intended for the, older people. These are very much intended for older people, and much of the way the same comics are very much intended for an older audience. And that's part of the unfortunate charm of DC comics in some sort of way, is that they are meant for an older, older audience, and so they're not quite so accessible for a younger audience, unfortunately. This is certainly not something I would have given... You know, I, this is certainly not material I would let my younger son or daughter ever watch until they were in their teens. I think it's, yeah, it, it's a 12, 13 thing. Yeah, it's like maybe a 12, 13 year old thing. Middle but even, school. You know, I, I, high school definitely, but it's not something I would introduce them to at a young age. It's not something I'd let my nieces ever watch, you know, because it's just, because again, I mean, it offers such a risk, such a rich narrative of, you know, gray zone. That, okay, that, so, that's so not let's, the, okay, so let's talk about the true gray zone in in this particular this particular movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the ending doesn't let you really feel victorious, um, yeah. and and you know what what ends up happening. Um, and I had seen this before and totally forgotten mm-hmm. um, the movie, which never a good sign. But hey, that's, no. um, in the in the end, Harvey Dent turns. That, yes. You know, because his the love of his life is is gone, mm-hmm. um, and um, and she's and she's passed away. Rather than him, there was a choice between him and the and and her. Uh-huh. Yeah, and people chose to save him, un- un- me. unknowingly in some cases. <coughs> I would argue it wasn't even unknowing. <coughs> well, the Joker the Joker made a point of saying that Rachel was at this place and Harvey Dent was at the other. But they were actually switched around. So when Batman went to go save Rachel, Rachel. he ended up actually going to save Harvey Dent in, instead. And again, Joker did that to kind of definitely prove, you know, like, oh, hey, this is who you really want. Now nah, you're going to save this guy instead. Well, but it's if interesting he, if they ever got because there's point. there's a discussion about about the, the the idea that Batman would retire because Goth what Gotham really needs is Harvey Dent, who stands up, who. You know, is is a, a stand-up guy, um, and a, a true hero that the people can rely on, and that is doing it a legal way. And I think even even Bruce Wayne is of the opinion that, like, yeah, or rather, excuse me, that Bruce Wayne actually doesn't really believe that this is the right way to do it at all. 
what he really wants to do is he really wants to retire so that way he can be with Rachel at the end of the day because that's the love of his life. But also, I think he realizes that that you have this sense that that he he did what he did out of what he felt was a necessity and mm-hmm. not because he embraces the role. No, no, absolutely no. In this in this version, I do I do believe that this is the justification to a means to an end at the end of the day. Yeah. And that he realizes that it's not the correct way to do it and wants to get out of it in some way, shape, or form. But there's not a real... But this is what the city needs right now. And again, I mean, by the time we get to a later movie, which is The Dark Knight Rises, Batman has been retired for eight years. And the logic of what Batman did gets used to create laws that basically put a lot of the criminals that... Harvey Dent was trying to put away, puts them in jail, you know, essentially permanently initially, with the intent with the intention to believe that, well, you know, Harvey Dent, you know, all this crime happened and Harvey Dent cleaned it up and this is a law that we enacted to stop this to make the city better. So you, you keep didn't it clean, yeah. so you didn't really need Batman anymore after that point. Um, but I mean what did you think of the characters in okay. this version? Well I just want to talk about the about the very end of it because I've got okay. so in the end mm-hmm. Harvey Dent becomes two-faced. Mm-hmm. He's he's lost everything. He's disfigured. Um, he declines having skin grafts that would at least potentially save him. Save him. Well, and make him look acceptable. And he goes off the deep end and he kills the people that set him up. So that he kills the people who made it possible for, as an example, Rachel to be kidnapped. Mm-hmm. Um, so he kills sort of the turncoat cops that are involved for for various reasons somebody's in the hospital or somebody's child needs to be saved whatever yeah so um he he becomes the vigilante mm-hmm. um and he switch role he switches roles and and when he is killed um batman basically says blame the deaths on me which makes him an unacceptable bad guy vigilante Mm -hmm. Um, blame the deaths on me and let him die a hero because gotham still needs a hero even though it's a dead hero yeah and he sacrifices his reputation as a good guy and takes on the persona of the batman who has killed several cops there are five people dead Mm -hmm. um and it's an interesting sacrifice. And in doing so, he crosses the line between being an acceptable vigilante and a dangerous vigilante. And I think that I, I so I was intrigued to see where the story would go next. Yeah, I mean, from a meta contextual level, we know Batman's not the bad guy. Right. But but, but Gotham does now. And, and true, and Gotham doesn't necessarily realize that he's not the bad guy. Um, I think from a couple different areas, if they decided to keep going with the story as large, um, there was a belief that the story might have gone into a um, situation where they were hunting Batman down and the cops were taking a much more... Uh, violent turn and aggressive actions to take down Batman. Um, certainly, if there was an intent that the bad guys would certainly be aware that now, well, though Batman does kill, I mean, like, we do have to be potentially afraid of him and even more so. Because, again, you remember at one point, one of the gangsters is basically like, hey, just a word of advice. If you're going to drop me, you got to drop me from a higher spot. This fall is just going to break my leg, it's not going to kill me. 
Yeah. We're not afraid of you now. We know you're not going to kill. You're just going to beat us up. Yeah. We're not, we're, you know, we're not afraid of you anymore. Yeah. You know, even though, like, yeah, I mean, this is one of the things I really like about the Christopher Nolan Batman at the end of the day, is it does kind of leave it ambiguous as what will happen next, you know, like, is this really the most gracious move that you can make, which certainly feels that way at the very end of the movie, but how does it really paint a true hero at the end of the day? Because in this case, it paints him to be practically the ultimate villain at the end of the day. Batman as this ultimate villain. And that's very much played up in the following movie as well, in Batman uh, Dark Knight uh, Rises. Because Batman very much is... Like, they literally sick every single police officer after Batman with the intent of, of getting him. And they literally do shoot at him with the intent to kill as well. Well, because he's killed several cops. <coughs> As far as they understand, yes. Yeah. Um, but as well as as well at the same time, I mean, like, what kind of damage does this do to Jim Gordon at the end of the day, whose psyche is, you know, Jim Gordon has to lie to the world here and basically say that this guy that nearly killed his his children, you know, and actually did commit all these murders, you've got to celebrate him as a hero when what he's done over the last 24 hours in theory has been anything but heroic that's true because because at one point harvey dent does yeah try to yeah i mean and that yeah. that's actually the impetus for his for his death actually is yeah um but even then i mean like how, how do you feel if you're jim gordon where you have to celebrate the memory of except you understand what turned him you understand the, the we, we understand the crisis that. We well, are. even Jim Gordon understands the crisis that turned him. Yeah, but I mean, like, but now you've got to go every single time you go out in public, you know, you get asked about, or you get asked about, hey, like, you know, were you, you were there when he killed Jim Gordon, what was that like, you know, and like, or excuse me, not Jim Gordon, but you you saw when he killed Harvey Dent, you know, you know, how how much is Harvey Dent, you know, who should what be a pariah. What were his last moments well, like, yeah. yeah. who should be a pariah in all actual cases, but is celebrated as a hero, to all the people here. I mean, like, that's... That I liked a lot, especially as we get to Dark, when Dark Knight Rises, because it really does explore Jim Gordon basically living a lie, and not just living a lie for a short period of time, but living a lie for almost a decade at that point by the time the movie picks up. Okay. Um, this is also um, some cool little facts here real quickly. Um, a lot of the Joker's scenes in this movie were unscripted. So he's, he's so like maniacal. For, I mean, it's it's it makes sense that it would be that way. Um, yeah. Like for example, like when um, Jim Gordon gets promoted to commissioner, he starts clapping, just kind of like just very sarcastically, just very openly. Uh, that was um, done. That's one scene here. Um, when the hospital explodes, there's literally a problem with one of the triggers not going. Yeah. Somebody was about to yell reset or back to back to step stage one or step one, which is mm-hmm. return back to your initial starting positions. And Heath Ledger is just kind of like clicking, moving around, shrugging his shoulders. Like, eh. And then it goes off and then he's like, oh, there it goes. Cool. We'll continue. Um, and which, that, that was that which, which, well. which is actually a really cool moment. I mean, but at the same time, think about it. How do you reset from that? Yeah. You know, yeah. you basically built an entire building to blow it up. Yeah. You know, you created this giant set for one, like, you don't get a second shot shot, shot at redoing this. Or if you do, come back to it weeks later to do it. Yeah. Um, uh, this is one of the first comic book movies ever to break a billion dollars. 
the first originally, and so in 2008, 2009. Um, also is the first movie in which won an Oscar. So this, the Superman movies? Never broke a billion. And the Superman movies never won an Oscar? Nope, never won an Oscar. You're kidding. They may have won a. They may have won like an honorary, a te- a, an a honorary. technical, yeah. Oh no, 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 not technical, honorary. Oh, okay. But they never won any Oscars. But Batman is again the first movie. Superman movies were good. They were. I mean, the first, the first two, yes. Yes. Yeah. Not so much the third or the fourth. But yeah, yeah. Not everything ages gracefully. Yeah. Unless you're wine or my yeah. mom. Yeah. Oh, thank you. <laughs> but Christopher Reeves was an awesome. Uh, oh yes. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Um. And those were very tongue-in-cheek, yeah, and campy. And this is not campy; it's dark. Oh, it's dark. And this is the problem with DC Comics: is that they're is that a lot of the fans were fans of it as children, were fans of it because of 1985 and 1985's Batman Return or Dark the Dark Knight Returns, mm-hmm. which painted Batman as being this very dark character. Now he had been kind of leaning in that way with. Death in the Family as being kind of this very kind of dark sort of moment, but even back then the comics are still painted in very bright colors. And as we get to um, Dark Knight Returns, as we slowly get into 1989's Batman by um, Tim Burton, Tim Burton, you know it paints Batman as being in this very dark world. I mean, like, can you remember Gotham in, in the first Batman movie? There were oh, it yeah. wasn't like oh, just, yeah. everything was even just this dark one, black. This, this one, even this one, is like, is it never day? Mm-hmm. I mean, um, seriously, daylight is like maybe out a window, but boy, there's not much of it. No, and and as we get to... Especially, so we're talking dark, we're not talking just... We're talking the absence of light a, for a majority of this movie. Yeah. Um, and if there's light, it's from an, uh, it's from an artificial well, source. And things seem to happen during the night, mm-hmm. during dusk. It's, it's it's again exceptionally dark. It's, it's quite dark. literally dark. Um, absolutely, and then you get to um, when you get to my generation. Now, I got introduced to Batman not just through the movie, but I got introduced to through the nineteen, the early nineties um, adaptation on uh, Fox. And that's how I got introduced to it. And again, this is where they. This you, is the animated series. This is the original animated series on Fox. Um, that again was. Um, a direct adaptation, not a direct adaptation of the movie, but intended to kind of carry a lot of those dark sort of tones. So even though the movies, in a, even though the animated series, in a lot of ways, somewhat lighthearted, they started on black paper and built up color rather than white paper, which you would traditionally animate on and build and build darkness on top of. So the, all everything in those series are perpetually dark, and in the animated series, and that's where you get a lot of the sensation, especially with the you know, early series in which, oh, Batman's a dark series, it must be a more mature series, that's why we we boys and children like it, because it's a mature series, and we're probably not supposed to be watching it, because our parents would think it's mean, bad, and violent. Well, it's interesting, because then you have, um, you have things like Teen Titans. Yes, which are very bright and colorful, and I think that's, I think that is a cognitive in attempt by the DC DC Comics to realize that their audience lives or dies by young readers. They will always have older readers. You will always have older readers of comics because there's some of us that are just too darn invested in that continuity to see what happens next and we have to know the Batman stories happening or whatever stories are happening. Yeah. But if you can't continually introduce new 
people into your audience that will replace the older ones when they get tired out of, you know, yeah. stuff like that, yeah. you're going to lose when your market. When they move on, yeah. yeah. and that's very much a sense of what Marvel's done a lot of really good at, uh, if you ask me, is that all the movies are very accessible to both young and old. Um, I mean, like, for example, like, would you ever pick up a Marvel comic book before watching the movies? No, no, and and I would and I would say that that they offer um, within that genre they manage to pull it all together. Mm-hmm. Um, when you have things like the the Winter Soldier and and uh, you, you have all these very differing sort of stories at the end of the day, where they but they manage to pull a bunch of characters together who also have their own universes indi- and individual yeah stories individual stories, and I would have had a hard time embracing. Um, Infinity Wars, without having been a, a true fan of um, Guardians of the Galaxy, mm-hmm. um, and and yet that's such a different genre than Thor. Absolutely. Um, you know, so so a they can poke fun at each other, but b they can they can pull in characters that add. Um, they can pull in characters where that that particular universe is um, alien and foreign almost, but somehow has some sort of well, connective but, tissue to it. Yeah, well, but but the but the universe is um, has a different, for lack of a better word, vibe. Because oh, if yes. you think about about the Captain America universe, it's very serious. Very serious, almost spy-like in a lot of cases. Yeah. About um, honor and... You know. Iron Man, a little lighter, not a lot. Very um, moral. Mm-hmm. Um, very much willing to poke fun at itself in a lot of cases and, yeah. and stuff happening. Yeah, so a little lighter, cause, because to me, the Captain America series is the darkest of, of yes, that yeah, particular... Quite, quite darker. Yeah, of that particular series. Um, and then it can pull in something like Guardians of the Galaxy and let them maintain their um, character traits and use them um, while fitting them nicely into the storyline mm-hmm. and not having them seem too foreign. And I think I think there's because I mean, Poison Ivy, very. I mean, she dark. Get... I mean. Again, I mean, depending on which characterization you see of some of these characters, I mean, f- hands down, I've had the chance to watch the Harley Quinn animated series that just recently came out on uh, DC's uh, streaming network. Uh huh. I love it. I love it to death. It's so snarky and ir- ir- irreverent, and everyone's got everyone's got like some like their tunes ticked up to like ten. Everyone's got an attitude, yeah. and everyone's like. That's a series in which, like, if I had to say, if you don't like, if you don't like the Batman series, watch this. It's not going to sell you on Batman, but you're going to get a, you're going to enjoy watching it, never, nevertheless, um, because it's. I mean, how does that meld with Batman, though? Because if you're saying that's snarky and and. But th- but that's DC trying to get new fans now. Okay. Because All again, right. keep in mind that Batman again, for the majority of DC's life here for the last few years, have been dark and gritty because Batman is such an omnipresent sort of thing. It's probably the most media media comic book character of all time at this point because it's had... How many movies are we up to with Batman now? We're up to... Well, I've seven, got a list that's talking about the top ten animated movies 
for Batman. Oh, and, there's there's and, got to be. And, there's, there's, and so that means there's more than 10 animated movies for Batman. There's like 25 to 30 some odd animated movies that have Batman in it. Another good of those, probably about 15 of them are just Batman related. We have like six, seven, eight. It's Batman, Superman. Batman and Superman and Justice League, you count that as well. We have like eight live action movies with another one on its way right now being filmed in post-production. Um, if we look at like Superman movies, we barely have eight there, but if you but you have to count like four of them from, 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 from these Chris combos. Reeves and then you had to... Oh, okay. Yeah. You, you, the Christopher Reeves one, then you have their attempt to redo, reboot it in 2005, 2006, and then obviously Man of Steel, the more recent ones there, but... Well, okay, and then you have Batman and the Mutant Ninja Turtles. How does that work? Uh, uh, well, <laughs> so I'm just saying. Yeah, there's more. There again, again, more. And recent. you're talking about Batman Hush, right? Oh, there's again, there's a lot. Uh, not Batman Hush necessarily. Oh, okay. Uh, there's there's a lot of there's a lot of Batman animated stuff out there because Batman's far more easier to film in an animated version versus a live action sort of sort of tone. Um, animation. Comics as himself is a is a two D media at the end of the day that lends itself very well to being cartoony to say the least, even though it's not as cartoony anymore. Well, see, and I would say that a lot of this isn't cartoony. No, and, and not intentionally cartoony. No, but the things you can get away with as cartoons are much more broader versus a live action sort of thing. Like yeah. when we get when, so as an example, as we transition, a cartoon can go pal. Yeah, but as we get to like transition to like Batman under the Red Hood. There are scenes where, like, they're doing quite a bit of fighting back and forth. I mean, like... It's pretty violent. Yes, it is. And you couldn't... And, and, you, I don't and, think you could really do that with a human with a human actor at all. Well, okay. Or you, so, you could, but it would be... Again, you might blend the line between R-rated at a certain point. And, and that one's not that old, right? Uh, Batman Under the Red Hood is actually 2010. Is it? Okay. Yeah, I mean, and it's still... I mean, for what it is, it's still beautifully animated as well. Um... So, Batman Under the Red Hood tells the story of the mysterious Red Hood, a new vigilante that's in town that's literally killing crime in order to clean it up on a certain level. Um, and oh, he's taking out... Taking out gangsters and what? and other thugs. Yeah. Competition, um, kind of. Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, at the end of the day, Bat, you know, Red Hood makes a point of saying, you know, it's like, look, you, the way you clean up Gotham, you can't get rid of crime. But you can tap it down you by can consolidate it by consolidating it and you know controlling it. At the end of the day, there's no, there's not, you know, there will always be crime and these people will still exist. But you can control it at the end of the day. Um, did you did you feel like it kind of asked the question of of um, how much of Batman's ego is involved in this? Oh, I knew Batman had a huge ego to begin with. Again, there, um, so. One movie in which will get made circa 2022-23 at some point, I hope, um, is a current. It was a story. Is a storyline in Batman through graphic novels called uh, Batman White Knight, um, in which the Joker takes some sort of medication that turns him not into Joker. It actually okay. makes Joker sane, and at the end of the day, he um, gets acquitted for what he did. Um, he ends up reuniting with Harley Quinn, who's actually, there was a second Harley Quinn the entire time. The first one left him because he was going, the Joker was going too crazy and this yeah. one saves him so he can be a normal person again. 
And as a result, it this is a story about the Joker being the good guy and actually going about, he brainwashes the criminals into uh, fighting other criminals to basically wipe each other out. Okay. Um, he helps, convinces the police that um, that the Batman is a vigilante that actually needs to be taken out because he's a psychopath on a certain level and look what he's done to the city, that he's actually created more crime. Um, he eventually correctly deduces that Batman is rich because how could you have all this, you know, yeah, technology, you, yeah. technology that you have to be rich and he could have spent all this money on, again, building factories, hospitals, all okay. this other stuff. So, so that's, that, and that's a question I have to begin with. Um, you know, this occurred to me while I was watching the Dark Knight movie. Mm-hmm. Um, is it seems to me like it'd be fairly easy to figure out who Batman is. Okay, Batman is this height. He's well built. Um, he has money because he's got cool gadgets. He's got the car. He's got the suit. He's got. I mean, he's got things that it takes money to buy. How many people? Would, in, be, would in, be able to do would have even you know even if you say Gotham is modeled on New York and New York's a large city, how many people that wealthy with a place where you could do that mm-hmm. would and exist? Exist and just be localized in Gotham, so they'd have to either live in Gotham or surrounding. You, you know, know you say age, age thirty to fifty. Mm-hmm. I mean, so I mean. Well, again, I mean, then there's a, literally a character in Dark Knight that correctly figures it out. Yeah, there is. That's yeah. Reese, which is actually meant to be a play on... Uh, it's meant to be an allusion to the Riddler, whose name is Edward Nigma, uh-huh. or Enigma, as, as you yeah. might be a riddle. His Reese is to be mystery. So that's oh. meant to be an allusion to the Riddler, who does correctly figure out who Batman is at the end of the day, but he will never tell anybody, because that makes him the smartest man in the, in the world, because he's the only one that does know who he is. That's why Riddler will never tell anybody who Batman is at the end of the day, even though he knows already who it is. Yeah, that was an interesting, that was an interesting thing and an interesting question. So you think your boss is dressing up in tight letter outfits, beating up bad guys. And you want to have him. And you think that, you think that you can convince him otherwise to give you all this money? That's the person you want to, you want to You want to mess with? Yeah, probably yeah, not. We might want to rethink that. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, I mean, like, it does paint the idea that, you know, it, it does also probably ask the question, how much is Jim Gordon not trying to find out? Is he purposely going out of his way not to try to look for who well, Batman is? he doesn't want to know. No, he doesn't want to know, but how much is he stopping actual investigation of it? That's of true. Batman, you know? Well, like, I think, in, and at one point, Harvey Dent actually does of sorts ask that question maybe not directly but he certainly implies mm-hmm. when he's talking about about how commissioner gordon uses him mm-hmm. that that um that really his job is to is to hunt him down and not to not to be playing with him and, and working yeah with him. yeah absolutely yeah yeah so anyway so um i i found what i found really um interesting and intriguing about under the red hood was was this guy's you you don't know what his motives really are. He's trying to consolidate crime, I think, more than take it out. You eventually learn what his motives are by the end of it. Oh, that's true. But 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 it, in the beginning, and um, and so he's he's a a rival, really, and for for Batman, and you kind of get um a sense a sense that that Bruce Wayne's ego is more involved in this than 
um, than that, anything else. Yeah, that that maybe you know while you'd like to think his intentions are I want to stop crime, make my city safe, um, which is you know a brilliant way to protect your assets as well. Um, there's there's a another there's an ego involved here that that's very threatened. There, I mean, there's this notion that Bat, that Bruce Wayne is Batman because it's a penance to his parents, which were gunned down by violence, and that the city alone has created all this violence, and that he he wants to stop other people. It's from all doing. altruistic. Yeah, I mean, he that he believes he's doing this because it's what the city needs at the end of the day, which might beg the question, you know, what would happen if he wasn't there at all? Would this continue to be the case at all? And I think that gets answered in kind of more in Batman Year One in a lot of cases, um, but Batman Under the Red Hood again, I found. Um, I can agree that, yeah, this is very much a story of Batman, you know, being rather egotistical about his city and the way things are supposed to work. And he doesn't like the notion that things get, are not working quite the way um, he thinks it should be. Um, But again, I mean, this is also very much, this is also kind of one of those stories as well in which uh, the obvious story here at the end of the day is about the Red Hood. Batman's more or less kind of a, kind of running along with the Red Hood for a majority of this of this movie here, which is very much true of a lot of Batman movies with the exception of kind of uh, the more more recent Nolan mo- version variations of it. But mm-hmm. certainly back in the day it used to be that Batman didn't really have anything to do without his villains there. There wasn't a lot of depth to the character in a lot of cases or growth. It was all about hunting the Joker or hunting the Bat- Penguin and Catwoman or facing off against Harvey Dent and Riddler or fighting Mr. Freeze. Like, there wasn't a lot of growth to Batman in the original version, variants of the movie, of the movies back in the 90s. If you, I mean, I'd actually, I'd actually say in terms of, of sort of understanding who Batman is as, as qualities of his, of his personality, I actually thought the Michael Keaton, um, Kim Basinger mm-hmm. version was, was, I had a better sense and feel for who he was. Yeah, you, I li- I liked Christian Bale as as Batman, but I I felt I knew more who he was in in the Michael Keaton version. Because Michael, because the Michael Keaton version, and I, and and to some degree, I felt like I knew more about who he was in in those animated ones. Yeah, in in the in Under the Red Hood. Well, I like I like the I like the Michael Keaton Batman because to me that's still Batman. I mean, that's it's the look of like this guy doesn't look like he could hurt you at the end of the day. I mean, like he barely looks like he. He isn't somebody you'd suspect. No. Whereas, whereas, whereas the Christian Bale one is somebody you'd suspect. Mm-hmm. He's got that rugged sort of charm and aspect to him, and clearly, whatever, he, whatever, He's, he comes across as much more of a charismatic person. Mm-hmm. Whereas, whereas the Michael Keaton version comes across as very guarded and sort of aloof. Yeah, aloof is definitely and, and unsure, unsure, and very much like I can't really quite get a read on this guy. But you know he's not a threat at the end of the day. Yeah. He's, he's not the guy. He's wealthy. He's obviously smart. Um, but, he, but, but, but he's got other stuff he's doing, and he clearly looks like he's more in control yeah. of what it's happening yeah. around. So I, I, mean, I would think the Christian Bale guy would be easier to guess at. Well, I mean, something in characters. And in The Dark Knight Rises, there's a detective character that actually correctly guesses and figures it out. Yeah. Um, but doesn't figure But also figures it out because. Um, he read. He understood his smile at the end of the day. 
not that he like in, and put kind of the pieces together kind of very much in the same line of uh, Tim Drake who again who is the third Robin who correctly guesses who Batman is before he and, ever and becomes he's, Robin and he's the the drug lord's son one of, well yeah he's also a drug lord's son who son, yeah so. um, Jason Todd's parents were painted that way as well at one point yeah. I think it's interesting so many Robins but I mean so. So I felt that this was interesting because it challenged you on whether or not Batman's um, uh, means and methods and reasons were really altruistic, or how much of that played into it. Well, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, criminals will be killing criminals either way. I mean, like, if... Well, I mean, in this case here, like, the, dark, the Red Hood is killing other criminals... Does your morality really say if it's not me killing other criminals, is that such a bad thing? I mean, other people get killed and die. Yeah, all but over yeah, the place. but Batman wouldn't kill them. No, and, and agree, but Batman wouldn't kill them. But it's the same logic that like this is happening in Metropolis as well, or this could be happening in Coastal City or any other yeah. place that doesn't have a Marvel, uh, doesn't have a DC superhero in it. Yeah. Why is it suddenly okay for crime to be over there and not in? But Gotham, oh my goodness, it can't be allowed in Gotham, but it's okay. 20 miles outside of Gotham for whatever reason yeah. in whatever city that's there. I mean, like, yeah. like it's okay in San Francisco for there to be a mass vigilante cleaning up crime. Wouldn't that crime just somehow migrate down to Oakland, it would San move. Jose? Yeah, it would relocate itself. And would Batman come down here in that case? Yeah. You know, that's an interesting theory as well. I mean, it's also just slightly the problem of masked superheroes to begin with anyways who fight crime um, is where... I, that's why I kind of always like Batman's more supernatural villains at certain levels, ones that have like powers and stuff because it seems more of a interesting cachet of what will Batman do to overcome that versus yeah. this is literally crime that could be crime anywhere, but it's too analogistic to what we live in already and what could be. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I liked I liked the Red Hood. A lot of people consider this to be one of the best Batman movies. Um, with the exception of probably uh, Batman Beyond's Return of the Joker. But we didn't watch that because it would have to facilitate having to talk about Batman Beyond. And while I love Batman Beyond, it's confusing. I actually watched part of Batman Beyond. So so Batman Beyond, so for, for those listening who are not aware of Batman to begin with, Batman Beyond takes place in the animated universe, the DC animated universe as it's called. Um, at a certain point, Batman gets too old to be Batman. And Batman, um, in the time being, has gotten to be like in his 50s, maybe early 60s. Um, he creates his own bat suit that's got enhanced strength, mobility, um, bullet protection. It's like super high-tech bat suit. Yeah. Um, but he's got heart problems and he decides that he can't be Batman anymore because, you know, he'll die before, he'll die before yeah. anything happens. He's and- aged out. Yeah, he can't do it anymore. Yeah. He's, he's just lost his bat mojo is the best way to put it, I've heard. Um, and as a result, there's another kid named Terry McGinnis years later in what they call Neo-Gotham, which is kind of more newer version of Gotham. Very kind of high-tech-y sort of flying cars. It's, it seems like it's, it's been... It's a whole different... It's a whole different thing. Yeah. It's, it's a whole different look. It's got a very caricature look it's got a very kind of like a steam it's got it's got a punk yeah it's very steampunkish but at the same time very like high-tech gothic sort of angular still very angular much like the original animated series 
Um, so there's this new kid named Terry McGinnis whose dad dies um, protecting his son on a certain level. Yeah. Um, and Terry McGinnis happened to have met Batman and accidentally found out, or met Bruce Wayne and accidentally figured out that he was Batman, goes back into his lair and steals the bat suit and becomes the new teenage Batman. Batman yeah. um, in other countries, he's known as Batman of the Future. Not Batman Beyond, but they never absolutely say that he's—that's his name at all. It's just yeah. Batman. Yeah. Um, and uh, it's eventually later revealed in um, the Justice League animated series that uh, uh, Terry McGinnis is actually the um, uh, genetic son of Bruce Wayne. That Bruce Wayne's DNA had been uh, copied and cloned, yeah, and cloned—not cloned. Well, not cloned. Not no, so what happened was is that they created they when when Terry's father was getting um, a health check, they gave him a shot that um, gave him that rewrote his DNA to be like uh, Bruce Wayne's DNA. So that way, if he had a child, it would be elements of Bruce Wayne's DNA inside of it. Okay. Um, because the notion was that it had to be something in the genes that made Batman the way Batman was. Yeah. Rather than being like some sort of like unfortunate sort of incident it was no it had to be something genetic that ha that that really makes which batman is almost kind of sad yeah in, because in its own way because the one of the charms of batman is that it robs the agency he's a man yeah it robs the agency out of like no you discovered that you had the ability to be batman and you went and did that versus well no i'm the son of batman now it makes obvious sense i would be batman yeah um, so which is damian wayne's big issue he wants yeah. to be batman at this point because he's the heir apparent because he's the son of batman see and i and i always like the idea that that batman's just a guy who you know wanted to solve a solve a problem and that he didn't have any superpowers he just had a bat rope and and that's and that's literally when we when we talk about that, it's literally bad Batman, bad blood, which tells the story of Batman's gone missing, quote unquote, and Nightwing having to take over the role of Batman uh, for a period of time, um, which is a literal translation of the comics from when um, Batman had quote unquote died at the end of one of these different Flashpoint events that kind of upends some of DC's continuity. Dick Grayson takes over the role of Batman and promotes Damian Wayne to be Robin. Now, it's not the same in the comp... In, in an earlier movie, you saw that he uh, Damian Wayne actually stole the Bruce, the Robin costume and became Robin at the end of the day, but that's a story... That's that's a different animated movie. Well, okay, and all this gets gets us back to Batman Year One. Yes, so Batman Year One, which tells... And, and actually, it's a nice segue for that, mm -hmm. because at some point you have to have a baseline story. Yes, and my my take on this is this is probably, how it started. Okay, so my take on this was this is even how it started before you got into like the '60s series that I'm so familiar with. Yeah, it could very well be the way it started. Um, and and that the '60s series was sort of a takeoff from from because this seems pretty loyal to a particular set of um, rules of how Batman works. Yeah. Yeah. So Batman Year One was written. Um, I want to say it was written sometime in the 90s um, as a way of kind of st showing how 
um, the original Batman got started. But it, but I'd actually say the Batman Year One actually focuses probably more on Jim Gordon instead. Uh, instead, and the comic book does a good job of paralleling the two uh, series because it's a series of graphic novels over the course of multiple months and I think up to like two years in which the graphic novels uh, came out once every other month. Right. Um, and so it tells the story of also like Harvey Dent before he became Two-Face and kind of sets the stage for um, what Batman's kind of... how, how And it, Batman's villains. Batman's villains, but it also shows Batman effing up, learning to be the Batman. Yeah. Like he stops a, a TV getting stolen. The TV ends up getting broken and destroyed anyways, but Batman... You, you know what that part of it reminded me of? What did he remind you of? The the young Spider-Man trying to become Spidey. Yes. Yes, absolutely. It, it reminds me a lot of, like, the early, like the first Spider-Man Peter, Peter movie. Par- Peter the- Parker. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it, it, it hearkened me back a little bit to that, if that makes sense. Yeah, to uh, the first Spider-Man, Marvel Spider-Man movie. Uh, yeah. 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 No. Um, Where he's trying to figure it out, or even, or even Shazam, which came out was that last summer or yeah, not, just this yeah. last year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Shazam, where he's trying, where he's the kid and he's trying to figure out how to be. Well, how well, to be. Yeah. Well, I, I love Shazam because it literally paints the. Shazam was the perfect movie in a lot of ways because it's like, what would a ten-year-old boy do with superpowers? Well, he was it, fourteen, but yeah, yeah, or fourteen years old, but but, but yeah, how well, would with, that, how would that work? And and how would he make that transition? And and just in some ways, I kind of found parallels there. I, it's certainly the more I like this version of Batman more because it's very much the kind of you know relatable d- doubting of what he's doing. He's clearly the most fit guy in the room. He's the most capable guy in the room, but he's not the most. You never see him lifting weights and working out. No. It, he must be doing that somewhere. Yes. I'm just saying. Oh no, absolutely no. He must be doing it. It's, it's you see of, the bat cave, but you never see the the bat treadmill. You know, yeah, that's really true. That you don't, with, with one lone exception, I've never seen superheroes training. And the one lone exception to this was in uh, Batman v Superman: Dawn of Justice. Uh, there's a scene in which Ben Affleck, who is playing Batman, is pulling a sled of weights he's got a sledgehammer and he's banging a truck tire one of those like giant yeah. truck tires and flipping out doing i guess cross crossfit which i don't know yeah. really yeah you know. no i understand CrossFit. um that's really kind of the only time in which you ever see like a training montage at all even well, I'm just even in the x-men movies if, you don't really even see any training at all if you don't bizarre. have any inherent superpowers which batman doesn't mm-hmm. um you know he's got to be hitting the gym and it's an, and again, it's Batman is painted as being the most uh, yeah. able-bodied individual for his age and time. I mean, he's the fastest, strongest, yeah, you know, yeah. most fit, most agile. Yeah, but I mean, that said, um, I found this the most relatable I've ever seen Batman be because and, you, you saw his flaws more. Yeah, and and you got to see um, him kind of um, working his way through what it was. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. So I, I was got interested... to see very vul- vulnerable too. Well, but I mean, so so my I guess my question for you was, how does this relate to maybe some of the original? Because when Batman first was created, he had to have gone through this sort of development stage. You don't just suddenly be there. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, I mean, early comics never actually tell this early story at all. Okay. A lot of the early comics, um, if they have to talk about 
Batman before he became Batman. It's always his notion that Bruce Wayne was either this was a child whose parents died. Yeah. After middle school or high school, he left and disappeared from the from the world for some odd number of years. And then when he came back um, as like this prestigious sort of individual, you know, like oh my goodness, it's Goth- it's Bruce Wayne, Gotham's you know number one son. That he came back, you know, he went away to try to bury his family, the memory of his of his parents, but couldn't get out of it. And then, you know, studied all this ancillary other stuff in the meantime. And and, and managed to you know, <coughs> become brilliant and be able yeah. to have the skill set to, to operate this huge conglomerate. And mm-hmm. all, gain all successfully, these, yeah. Gain all these skills and everything. And uh, know everybody and everybody knows him. Yeah. But, That'll happen. But, but again, like, they never paint about what he did in the interim at all between when he came back and when we cur- when we see him. I mean, like, because yeah. when we first really start seeing him in modern comics, or not necessarily modern comics, but uh, Silver Age comics back back in the 40s and 50s, Batman was just being Batman already. He, didn't, he never really explained how he got the skill set to do all the stuff. He said, no, just Batman is Batman. Okay. And, um... I somehow felt like felt like this this story felt um, genuine. I don't know how to how how quite to put what I'm trying to say. Well, the, what was interesting is that it, um, this movie actually pair, um, was at one point considered to be was going to be what they were going to film next was supposed to be the fifth Batman movie, which eventually got replaced by uh, Batman Begins. But they were but Darren Aronofsky, who has done a number of very interesting movies in the last few years. Uh, was originally going to do a take on year one out that uh, back in the early two thousands. Um, they initially say a lot of reports are saying that like they didn't do year one because of how bad uh, Batman and Robin was, which for its time it wasn't that. But I mean, it's a bad movie. Don't get me wrong, but I mean, like, is this the the, the George Clooney Batman? Yes, I, the tilt of the head. Just well, I mean. And I love George Clooney, but but that was awful. Again, I mean, Joel Schumacher as a as a as a as a movie as a movie director at the end of the day, um, in all honesty, probably brought the series back to a more cartoony kind of aesthetic. Yeah, which was not what the fans wanted because you because the last you know five years before that you were telling them no Batman is dark and brooding and serious and look at the slightly more lighthearted Batman that's kind of lighthearted but still a little violent and it's a little. I mean, campy is probably the best way to phrase it here, which was not what the fans wanted. Um, but it was certainly far truer to the source material at that point yeah. in time. This dark but very kind of brightly lit color, because that's what sells comic books, is bright colors. Yeah, you want to um, be vis- visually... Visually interesting, and again, a lot of the sets were also visually in- interesting. Um, it's a far more honest take of what the Batman comic books would have been Mm-hmm. Um, but there's also just not a logical through line versus where like the Nolan series is a very logical through line of everything staying fairly consistent throughout the entire story. Okay. Um, but again, I mean, like if you, it, again, Batman and Robin is a bad movie, but it's not the worst Batman movie. It's really not. <laughs> it's bad, but it's not that bad. Again, I, I have seen <laughs> I, I have seen worse superhero movies. Oh, no, I'm sure you have. I'm sure you have. I'm. I'm just. I'm just. No. I, I think it's. I think it's trying to qualify how bad something is, um, is always a challenge. But no. Um. I. I found this. Um. I found Batman in this particular one. It. 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 
I still didn't fully understand his motivation because I I guess I just didn't. But the morals and the motivations of Batman differ for the from, the, from one from, from one, one version one to media another. source to another. They can yeah. and they meant in they can be somewhat fluid, but. There's always kind of an underlining theme is that he's doing this because his parents got killed and he doesn't want to have anybody else relive this. Or he's doing this as a penance to his parents, you know. It's a way of honoring them. As, and yeah. yeah. So yeah. There's, there's always that semi But, but it, I did find, I found him relatable. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and for the most part, I don't find him very likable. So I, This was, is my favorite version of Jim Gordon, though. Yeah, I can see, I can definitely see that. Voiced brilliantly by... Um, what should we call it here? Uh, Brian Cranston. Oh, that's interesting. He was voiced by Brian Cranston. Actually, what's also interesting about this as well, uh, the gentleman that voices uh, Batman in this in this version here, which is Ben McKinsey, uh-huh. plays Detective Gordon in the Gotham TV series on Fox. Oh. And is the only actor to have both played both Jim Gordon and Batman. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Okay. Uh, so, so, given that there's so many of these... Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I was surprised you, you found, I, you know, I have articles printed here and, and, you know, maybe if you want to link any of these, um, I found it interesting that like, this is the top, this is the list of the top 10, um, that, that somebody rated and, and, so, um, so top 10 it, Batman movies of all time. So this curiosity- is coming from Screen Rant. Okay. So what, out of curiosity, what are the top 10 in this case here? Okay. So, so number, number 10. Uh, Batman Return of the Caped Crusader, 2016. Okay, I haven't seen that one before. Okay. Number nine, Beyond Batman Return of the Joker, which yep, which is that very angular, I, I kind of enjoyed it. Oh, no, don't get it me wrong. It was creepy. It, it was creepy. It, 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 but it, Batman Return of the Joker is great if you have a pre-understanding notion of who Batman Beyond is. Um, but also if you recognize that Mark Hamill is the Joker, and he's the best Joker ever, because oh, once laugh. you stop hearing, once you hear him as it, you can't unhear it as the best Joker ever. Oh, we, the, the laugh has so many tones. Um, oh, absolutely. Okay, so number eight is Superman, Batman, Apocalypse. Yes, that's also a, a good one as well. That one okay. tells the story of uh, Superman's cousin, Kara Zor-El, arriving on Earth, Batman being somewhat distrustful, Kara Zor-El actually, Kara actually um, going away with uh, Darkseid, which is the DC version of Thanos, if you will. Okay. Um, and becoming one of her his acolytes, but Batman actually saving all of them, and then coming back to Earth, and then they fight each other again. Okay, number seven, Bat, uh, Superman, Batman, Public Enemies. Yes, um, that is a decent one. Um, not my first, not one of my favorites. That's first. only number seven. That's only number seven out of, out of the ten. Um, six, Batman, Superman. So they like Batman, Superman, but they're you know finishing towards the end. They're not any of the, those in the top ones. No. Uh, World's Finest. Yes, that's a good one too. Okay, and uh, their number five was Batman Year Year One, mm-hmm. which which of of um, the three that I watched would actually be, probably be my number one. It's it's true for a lot of people too. I know I know a lot of people would have put uh, Batman uh, Batman Beyond Return of the Joker um, in like number two, three, or four in a lot of cases. If not number one, for me, it's probably in that like top three bracket. It's creepy. Oh, yeah. Um. Okay. Number four was um, Batman Gotham by Gaslight. So that is a very recent. Night. So that's as if as if Batman were in. Um, that's a 2018. It's 2018, but imagine if Batman were in Sherlock time. Oh. So it's it's a, it's a Batman of like the 15th. It's like a Batman of the 15th, 16th, 17th. Uh, 
British British kind of timeline sort of thing. Oh, oh okay. Um, and so it's very noirish, but I like it. I like that one a lot. I really do. Okay. So number three was was Batman under the red, the Red Hood. And that's what I would usually pick as number one. I just it's just it's very good. Well, and I'll give you my overall take on it. Okay. Too. Um, number two was Batman: The Dark Knight Returns, parts one and two. Yeah, that's not one I recommend for most people. They put um, that number two. It's it, it, don't get me wrong. It's very good. It's a very good adaptation of the source, the original source material, but it's a very like if you thought these animated versions were dark, that one's worse, dramatically worse. For being animated, they're dark. I mean, of of, of the of the genre that we saw, mm-hmm. I would say the darkest that I saw was the Batman Beyond Joker Returns. Mm-hmm. Uh, that this one would be far darker. And 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 not and that one's not dark from the way it's it's graphically drawn depicted, it's just icky, um, but but in a good way. Mm-hmm. Um, and number one was Batman: Mask of the Phantasm. So that's a theatrical movie for the um, animated TV series from Fox, um, and that one also gives a bit of a backstory of to Bruce Wayne becoming Batman as well. Um, not quite in the same sense. It doesn't go through all like Batman learning to be Batman at all, um, but it does tell kind of like somewhat of the early story of that. Um, also, famously has the Joker, uh, you know, and Mark Hamill's um, brilliant role. And um, oh God, uh, who's the other guy that plays Bruce Wayne? Who's played him ever so? Uh, well, it might it might even say here. It might uh, Tim Conroy. I want to say his name is offhand. Um, he plays Batman ever so perfectly because he's the first guy who, when he was doing the auditions to have two different voices one for Batman and then one for um, and then one for uh, Bruce Wayne they give the artist um, Bruce Timms Bruce Tim would have been the uh, animated director, director yeah, yeah that would have but been they the, don't give the name of the of, of who voiced it well I mean so so I'm going to tell you my take from the the three I saw okay and then you can tell me why you chose them because I'm really interested. Um, I liked this particular collection because it showed you three different sides of Batman. Um, the movie, uh, the live action movie, is a very suave, sophisticated, manipulative um, Batman who, you know, because he directs Gordon as to what's going to happen, right? Mm hmm. Um, and and so he's 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 clearly the alpha dog. Oh, absolutely. And um, and then and then to to Kevin you know, Conroy, that's the guy who plays Batman. My apologies. Okay. And then um, to to that just opposed against um, Under the Red Hood, in which I think Batman's kind of struggling with his past in a lot of ways, but very much struggling with. His motivations. I don't know. I, I, not so much his motivations, but so much as that he's somewhat torn between wanting to do what theoretically could be the right thing versus also having to do what needs to be done for the situation that he's in. Well, and, and you've got that, that, that whole thing of somebody else is doing my job. They're not doing it in a way I would do it. Mm-hmm. They're taking people out. But at the same time, there's an element to the Red Hood that we're we're trying to be vague about because we don't want to give it away at all. Right. So so um. And 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 so there's 
there's a, a struggle going on there in which you see his ego. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was really interesting. And then and then you have Batman Year One in which he's just trying to figure the whole thing out. He's very relatable because he can screw up. Yeah. And, he, and, he, and, and Batman's rather a perfect figure for most of us mm-hmm. um, who can do no wrong. And clearly here he's, you know. Um, it's troubled. Well, he's trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. So, so I thought it was an interesting um, menage mm-hmm. because it gave you different versions of, of of Batman having different struggles. Oh, yeah. So uh, I I chose the Dark Knight because it's, if, it's a if, 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 you're, if it's a classic. If you're going to watch one live action Batman movie, you watch the Dark Knight because you get two good villains. You, you get you get yeah. the most brilliantest version of you get a very brilliant psychopathic Joker, um, which a lot of people have tried to ape over the years and haven't done a very good job of it. Yeah. But, um, you see a lot of people who do who did the Heath uh, the Jack Nicholson Joker and yeah. can do that well, but. You know, this a, one's a yeah. I mean, the difference between the two jokers is very much night and day. Very much night and day. Um, uh, certainly, this joker is much more mental. Well, Jack Nicholson. I mean, at the end of the day, if Jack Nicholson's skin wasn't bleached, he'd still just be a mob boss with a more twisted yeah. sense of yeah. of of humor and, and and morality. At the end of the day, yeah. Heath Ledger's Joker. This is a man that's been broken, twisted, and and put back together in his a very life bizarre has not been way. Kind. No, his, his life if, if there was a backstory and if any of the backstories were ever true, which could have they could have all just been true at the end of the day too. Yeah. I mean, who would have known? Yeah. Um, but he's such a twisted sort of logic um, of of a creature that like this is absolute chaos at its finest if you were to stitch something together. Well, and he uses be. the word chaos quite a bit. Oh, no, absolutely. He, yeah. in, but and what's great about the Joker here is that in a lot of ways, he's not wrong. Yeah. And that's what I always find makes a great villain, is a villain that believes that at their core... You could sympathize you, in some ways with their plight. Not only their plight, but you could appreciate the, what they're doing does make sense to them at the end of the day. Where their logic comes from. Yeah, you can, yeah. You can appreciate that and, and, and understand it. Um, so, so, so why did you choose these three? Um, so I chose Batman Year One because... You're not really going to get a story that shows Batman being vulnerable on any particular level, um, but I also like it because a lot of the, with the exception of the Nolan movies and even, even the Dark Knight, uh, even the movies where you have with Superman in them, like Jim Gordon is a very pivotal character in the Batman mythos. Um, he's he's Batman's sort of um, lead, sort of lead into like the more police side of stuff what's happening very much good for leads and understanding but he's also come out of the moral core that if Jim's have if Jim Gordon has a problem with Batman the rest of Gotham has a problem with Batman and you should have a problem with what Batman's doing right now she's very much the moral heart of the Batman universe in a lot of cases because Batman yeah. could still do good things but Jordan's kind of like our conscience at the end of the day which is telling the rest of our readers how we should kind of feel about what Batman's doing in a lot the of the moral cases. compass. Yeah, and and at the end of the day, I mean, I found I found this version of Jim Gordon again, greatly voiced by uh, Brian Cranston here, to just be far more relatable. And um, I liked that it was a guy who was 
you know, that showed what he was like before he became commissioner. Because, again, there's not a lot of material that shows what was Jim Gordon like before he became commissioner. When he was just a detective. Yeah, like, did yeah. He, you know, nobody ever really outright states, though, did George, did Gordon grow up in Gotham? Did he grow up somewhere else? Did yeah. he, you know, in this case, it shows that he moved to Gotham. Yeah. Uh, and, and again, I found the portrayals of this more interesting at the end of the day. Um, as well as I enjoyed the art style being a little bit more um, simple in a lot of ways because it does kind of paint that this is a, it feels earlier. This feels like something that a style that could have been animated in like the 80s by chance. Not, not quite as developed, not quite as, yeah. And it, it, some of the colors look a little bit more muddier as well, which I kind yeah. of appreciated. Um, I liked Batman Under the Red Hood because, again, I, I felt it's told um, a very interesting story about the Red Hood at the end of the day um, with Batman along the way. It's um, a good new villain, too. I mean, if you're, if, if you're, if you're tired of all the same villains, mm -hmm. it's a good new villain. But, but again, I also like the... I also like the Red Hood's motivation at the end of the day as well, which you later figure out what kind of his true motivation is. And yeah. and again, I mean, like, if you were to just hear it from his one side alone, you know, yeah, Batman's really the villain in all of this, you know? Yeah. Batman's a real villain he's, at he's the end of the day. He's gone about it wrong. Yeah, he's, he's gone about it in the in the wrongest way possible, but you don't really learn that until you feel, until you realize what the Red, yeah. who the Red Hood is actually at the end of the day and what his true motives are. Yeah. Um, which again, I found to be just very, which I found to be very interesting at the end of the day, how his manipulation was intentional to do the things that he wanted to have done, yeah. which I, which I appreciate as a Batman story at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, and then there was a third movie, which was Batman Bad Blood. Um, you didn't get to watch that one, I take it. No. Okay, that's fine. Um, I watched it and found it. I, I like it because I like Dick Grayson as Batman because in the story, bat in the story in the comics, Batman was. A very dark and brooding character, and Dick Grayson was kind of a slightly more lighthearted Batman, as where Damian Wayne was kind of like, you know, don't piss off Robin, he'll get you, versus it used to be like, don't piss off Batman, he'll get you. Yeah. This time it's it's Robin who's like the hard edge, sort of like, let's beat them up, you know, like let's 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 hang them by the toes and chop off arms, and Batman's like, whoa, whoa, easy there, kid, you know, I I'm a bad guy, but clearly you don't want to mess with this bad cop. It's yeah. a good cop and bad cop kind of relationship reversed um, interesting and I like and I like that notion because um, in the comics so he's the moderating parent kind of I mean in the comics Dick Grayson stopped being Robin because he felt that Batman's methods were too harsh and certainly his philosophy on the way he did that stuff was being done was too harsh as well at the end of the day um, he later relates that growing up with Bruce Wayne as a father figure uh, was somewhat of a torture because he never Batman was such a tortured individual himself. How could he ever help heal Dick Grayson? How, how, could, who, he be, how, how could he be loving? How could he be? Yeah. Well, not not so much not that he couldn't be loving, but how? But what Dick Grayson really wanted to do was to heal from his parents, the loss of his parents and his family, and to do that, Batman showed you know Bruce Wayne showed him. You take it out on you take it out on criminals, and Dick Grayson have kind of realized that, you know, I'm not working through my problems. I'm just sedating them through literal violence and beating up people who are not, you know, my enemies at the end of the day who that didn't do anything wrong. But at the end of the day, I also recognize that I'm that these are crimes going on, and I'm best suited to to stop them. That's why how he becomes Nightwing, and in the comics, Nightwing rarely gets involved with Batman anymore. 
because Dick Grayson has not mended that relationship with Bruce Wayne at all. Okay. And the fact that... Um, so the story that takes place is, again, when Batman dies, um, there's a huge fight for the cowl at one point. So an older um, Tim Drake, which is the third Robin, um, temporarily takes up the cowl, but quickly proves that he's not capable of it. Um, there's, there's actually... Um, We've spoken about Jason Todd before, right? Yeah. Okay. So Jason Todd, who has come back at this point and taken on a very violent version of Batman, who's now dressing up as a much more militant version of Batman with armor and guns and is doing quite a bit of damage to the Batman. He has name. no guns. Batman's not supposed to use guns again. Yeah. Jason Todd is not a normal... Batman, okay. Not a normal Batman. And it's actually a bad Batman. Okay. Um, and it actually takes quite a bit of urging to... Um, Dick Grayson to become Batman and he actually was very reluctant to do that yeah he'll take down this bad Batman but he doesn't want to take on the cowl and he very much reluctantly do, does so um, and even in the process of reluctantly doing so um, he recognizes that Damian Wayne much like Tim Drake uh, or much like Jason Todd at the end of the day if I don't make this kid Robin and teach him the better way to do stuff he will be a. He will go out there and murder everybody in Gotham at one point. Yeah. If not himself, because he's so young, he's so in, he's still inexperienced in a lot of ways. And so, and Tim. And what's interesting is that uh, Dick Grayson's intention was to show Damian Wayne a better way to live, to not have to be quite so violent, to heal from you know, somewhat of the training that he's had from the League of Shadows before he became um, Bruce Wayne's son and also to heal from his own father's death. Yeah. You know, to try to find a way to heal from that at the end of the day. Which Dick, which Damian Wayne is very much against the notion of doing that, much in the same way that Bruce Wayne was. Um, so they again, embrace it. Yeah. Well, I mean, they, they embrace the fact that their loss is fueling their need, whereas Dick Grayson, you know... Doesn't want to doesn't want to ha- want to recover from his loss and move on. Yeah, and he never got that opportunity to do that with the guy who was who took him on at the end of the day. You know, his the, father figure. Yeah, his father figure actually, in a lot of ways, feels like he got tortured, and that and bad blood goes into quite a bit of that as well. Bad blood uh, unfortunately introduces Batwoman, who I don't. We don't need another Bat Woman. Can you know? Can she just be something else that's not Bat related? I, I have. I mean, We're not into Barbara Gordon. Well, then there's another problem I have here as well. Is that like? So at the, at the very end of the movie, which doesn't spoil any bit of the movie, you see Barbara Gordon in you know as Batgirl again. Now, mind you, the rest of the the rest of these animated movies have never actually painted Barbara Gordon being there at all. Um, and so they don't hint at the notion of her being um, Oracle at this point at all. There's an allusion to it in um, Batman in Batman Under the Red Hood, you know, yeah. where um, one of the characters is talking about how the Joker's crippled and killed other pe- friends, you know, and stuff, which is an allusion to Oracle at the end of the day. Um, but I would have much rather it seen um, Batgirl as Barbara Gordon as Oracle because I think it's a... It's a positive role model for anybody who's in that position, but much yeah. less also Sozer is still to be just a very capable person at the end of the day as well. That, um, and the, but I don't just see it as a great positive role model. So I see it as just well, I, I do see it as a great positive role model actually. 
Um, but I see this just a great, interesting sort of, okay, I used to be this great crime fighter and I've gotten wounded and I'm hurt. I need, I've picked up my pieces and I'm keep, keep moving on. Here's, a, here's another way to continue and, on. And the Joker who is what, you know, got me at the end of the day, criminals like him are not going to keep me down at all. Such a great positive message as a character. You don't, you don't, you don't character. get to win. Yeah, no, I get, you know, yeah. And I, I find Oracle to be such a great positive character as much as there was a controversy for putting her in a wheelchair and, rele- and relegating her when she was, you know, one of the lone few female superheroes. Yeah. Um, but, but I think there was such, I mean, as much of controversy as it was, there was a lot of this great heart that came through it at the end of the day. And I feel, you know, and I, I think the animated movies, now, they did do an animated version of The Killing Joke, which is the which is the series in which Barbara Gordon gets you know gets shot by the Joker and becomes paralyzed. Um, and the Killing Joke was originally about supposed to be about how one bad day can turn anybody into somebody like the Joker, and it actually goes through the Joker's story as well. Well, I mean, not unlike the the same tale for Harvey Dent. Yeah, absolutely. Um, which again makes a lot of allusions to as well. There's a, a lot of allusions in um, in Dark Knight to Batman Year One, in which. Uh, or the long Halloween, excuse me, is the story which tells the story of how Harvey Dent became a Harvey Dent. Is where the two of them were, the three of them, including Harvey Dent, Jim Gordon, and Batman, were all working together to stop the crime and stop criminals and gangsters. And that's how, um, and they actually got really darn close until uh, one of the gangsters decided to spray acid on Harvey Dent, which created him as Two Face at the end of the day. Okay. Um, and there's some allusions to Year One as well, but Year One is also written by the same guy who uh, wrote uh, The Long Halloween as well for Batman. So he knew the, he knew the genre and the characters very well. Um, but I I lost my tangent for what happened, where I was going. Um, I chose these movies, and I apologize I do that. Um, Oracle, I, I wish they would have had Oracle in there because I think she's such a strong, positive role model. Yeah. And, and if anything, I'd love them to do a animated world on Birds of Prey. And I think you could have a lot of these cool super if feminine and female superheroes under the under the leadership of Oracle and still have quite a bit of, you know, good that comes out of that at the end of the day. I, I think at worst you make a movie out of it. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Great, but you made a movie out of it. Yeah. You you have something on, on film that that will te- stand the test of time. And I appreciate and love that notion. Um, I would love to. I mean, well, I mean, just because it doesn't it hasn't been done yet doesn't mean it won't be. There's a lot of concern that somebody will do a Killing Joke movie, and even the guy who wrote the Killing Joke at this point here now says that he doesn't like the, what the Killing Joke has represented over the years. Okay. Um, and I, I it's I don't like stories that tell. I, I, it's hard to relate this story because the movie itself paint, tries to paint this picture of Barbara Gordon trying to have this love affair with Batman and that she gets disillusioned with Batman because Batman won't love her the way that she wants to be loved. Yeah. And that was never in the comics and paints Barbara Gordon as being this very um, jilted daffodil of a character, which I don't like. Yeah. I like strong female protagonists. Yeah. Um, as much as I love feminine female protagonists, is even more so at the end of the day, um, which is why I'm really interested in in Wonder Woman 1984. 
um, because we get to see a well, Gal Gadot is just we get to see well, we get to see Wonder Woman that's gone through like forty years of time and clearly in, integrated herself with modern society. Yeah, you know where there was a lot of hangups about oh, well, this is what girls wear, this is what women wear. In the first movie, you know, she will have clearly grown out of that by the time we get yeah. to the later movies. That so whole introduction to our world. Yeah, so I'm more curious to see what that'll be like. Um, I'm also interested to see Chris Pine come back as well, because he's going to come back. Um, I thought he died. He did, He did, and that's where I'm curious what happens there as well. Okay. Um, I like him, but I thought he died. Yeah. And it's one of the few roles in which, I mean... A lot of people don't like him as Captain Kirk in the more recent Star Trek movies, but I liked him as Captain Kirk. I like this kind of, like, brash version of Captain Kirk that's not as confident and is very headstrong, which is very much the same way that, you know, William Shatner would have been as well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I like this version. I, it's a shame we won't get more versions of it, unfortunately. But, okay. Um, All right. But, but I chose these movies because they gave you... Different versions of Batman, which also is very good at pointing at point, painting this world of that there are variations and on very Batman. different looking versions as mm-hmm. well. Yeah, I mean in visuals, the visuals are different. Yeah, I mean in in the Batman movie, I mean the bat suit is very much armor at the end of the day. Yeah, it could be very much tactical armor, which again Batman could very easily sell to the police or even just give to the police at one point. Yeah. Think of all the money you could be making off that. Yeah, um, in Batman Under the Red Hood, it's very much shown that there's a Kevlar sort of like bodysuit element to the costume that clearly does a good job of protecting it from knife attacks and, and stuff like that, but not necessarily bullets. Yeah. Um, and then in year one, it's very much just a spandex costume. Yeah. Because Batman gets shot a couple times. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess that's one of the things that I would say about the animation, um, the animated versions, is there's there's a fair amount of violence for... Yeah, these are PG movies. I mean, at one point, uh, at some points, um, some of the animated movies were almost rated R. I could actually see that. And so I, I think, I don't know if any of them are. In language-wise, they're, they're fine, pretty much. Yeah, I don't, I'm not zeroing in on any anything I would have found offensive there but um, but yeah they're they're I think the killing joke is rated R yes it is the killing joke is rated R it's, yeah. it's also not one of those movies I recommend as a starter movie as well these are good movies in which if you if, if I gave them to you just out of the whim and said like oh I'm kind of interested in Batman here are some movies about Batman and they give you kind of a painted picture and I like um I like Batman Year One because it's kind of everyone wants to see what the origin story was. Yeah. Uh, Batman Under the Red Hood tells an interesting family dynamic that paints this much bigger world of Batman that you're only kind of getting a top line glance at as well. Um, and then Dark Knight is just one of those movies that, like, at the end of the day, like, um, it's the most famous, well-known Batman movie at this point. It's the only one that's won an Academy Award. So I mean, yeah. like, take for it what you will. It's such a a landmark sort of movie at the end of the day, if you were to ask me. Yeah. Um, that you can't not see it at some point if you're even vaguely interested in Batman. It it would get recommended to you regardless, even if you were just yeah. looking it up on Netflix, which yeah. it is still on Netflix, I believe. Okay. So. Good to know. So, uh, would you do more Batman eventually in the future, maybe? Yeah, actually, I, w- I was surprised, you know, because you, you tend to sort of... Um, 
discard, I think, animated movies um, as being light on plot, and these aren't. Oh, no, no. no yeah, very, very plot-driven. And thankfully, there's like 30 or 40 of them, and with more coming out every couple, every couple I, months. I, I am intrigued by the whole idea of, of, of Batman versus Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, which this says is mainly receiving uh, positive reviews. Yes, very somewhat lighthearted as well. Um, it's well, I'm, good. A, I'm a definitely a Mutant Ninja Turtle fan. Um, there is also a Japanese Batman where Batman goes back in time to Japan with all of his rogues gallery. The Joker and Harley Quinn as Japanese-esque story, Japanese style of the villains at the end of the day is somewhat funny. What is Batman Hush? Um, Hush is also another one of those like bad guys that's like on the brink of being like the most the the worst bad guy Batman's ever faced before. Before Bane and Ra's al Ghul and like a dozen other characters before that. Um, it's well received. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen that one yet though. Okay. Um, I'm not up. I'm not as uh, not as on top of his, uh, of that as much. Don't, the Batman don't, don't have stuff. to be. I'm just, I'm just, I'm obviously the obviously it's popular since this this points to two new movies being out. Mm-hmm. Um, and and uh, I was interested that there were that many. Yeah, this one's actually more recent here, so somewhat curious here. Uh, apparently, it's a guy that knows all about it. I'll figure this out later. Okay, it's, it's new, so maybe it's something to watch this weekend. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so speaking of this weekend, uh huh. Right now, actually, the today, the WWE had a pay per view. Oh. But we're not going to watch it because it's in Saudi Arabia, and I'm not going to I'm not going to promote that. Okay. Um, but we will be talking about something new next week. Definitely something new next week. Okay. Um, and we're actually coming up next week will be our one year anniversary as well. Oh wow! One year since we re- since we created the website. Right. And I think it was just a very week later in which we did our first podcast and we talked about anime. Mm-hmm. I don't think we'll talk about anime this next time, but we have a secret, um, we have a we have a topic already lined up. Oh, we do, we'll, don't we? We have a topic that we have lined up and we'll, we don't want to give away the surprise at all. It's topical, definitely it's topical. Very topical. Um, and we'll share that with you guys next week. But I'm going to post up all of our notes um, that we have for the Batman movies that we watched here online onto our website at nerdtutorialpodcast.com. Um, and then I'll also put a link to that as well in our uh, Facebook page, uh, which is facebook.com forward slash nerdtutorialpodcast. Um, where we have been continuing the discussion. I have had some people um, telling me some stuff on there too, so that's kind of yeah. cool. Yeah. Um, and then all of our topics are also being following, following on our uh, Twitter page as well, which is nerd underscore tutorial on uh, the Twitter, where again we're receiving news about other topics we've talked about before, like World of Warcraft. Um, uh, what else is on there that I recently saw? Star Wars. I saw something on Star Wars on there. Um, one of these days we'll get to talk about Legos, which is its own continuity. Well, I would love to do that because there's Batman Legos too. Oh, there's everything Legos. Uh, I, 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 sh- I have not seen a single Legos movie, so I will look forward to that. Oh, that's right. There's movies too, aren't there? Geez. But the Lego Batman movie again. I mean, like. Batman perforated a Lego movie and then created a Batman Lego movie. Jesus. Yeah. He's, he's omniscient everywhere. Yes. Um, but that does it for us here today. Um, thank you so much again for Mom for watching a bunch of Batman movies. Pleasure. And uh, we'll see you guys again next week. Bye. Bye.